Christmas Child. The shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child are due next Sunday, the 17th, okay? I'm unsure if we have any available to take home, but how about, I don't know about you, but I have about two or three shoeboxes at home that I save. So if you would like to do that or need more information, head back to the Next Step Center and we'll get you set up with that, as well as our team night. We have our team night Wednesday, uh, November, I almost said October, November 20th. Anybody else amazed at how quickly time is flying? It's crazy. November 20th, uh, at any rate, November 20th at 6.30 p.m. is going to be our second team night. Uh, for those of you who volunteer, which we have a high percentage of people who are sitting in these pews this morning uh, that serve, uh, we had a great time with the first one, so this will be the second one. Those are monthly, typically the third Wednesday of each month. That's a time for us to come together, to be encouraged, uh, to be inspired. Pastor Adam's going to be here. Pastor, uh, Pastor Adam's going to be here. Um, leadership's going to be here. But that's an opportunity for you to come, be encouraged, and then we break out into our areas uh, that we serve. And, and uh, you're able to get updated, train, ask questions. Um, as well, if you would like to get involved, that is a really good night to come as well. Just let somebody know that it's your first time here, and we will for sure take care of you. So as always, our giving, you can give either uh, via the red box in the back, you can give online, or you can text your amount to 84321. Are you guys, are you guys uh, stoked about this series we're doing right now? Yeah, hero, right? Um, Pastor Adam's got a message this morning, so really stoked about that. Let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, uh, once again, we just are blown away by who you are. We thank you that you are alone are the savior of the world. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And we recognize that you're in this place this morning. God, we thank you for uh, providing for this place. We thank you for making the vision so plain and so clear, but yet you've given us the tools uh, to do what we can do to further your kingdom. So God, I thank you for providing for us. Thank you for your word this morning, that it is true, it is trustworthy, and we can stand on it because it is a firm foundation. We look to you this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Thank you, Andrew. Who liked that new worship song this morning? My gosh, on fire, smoking hot. Love it. Man, so excited. Um, happy Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day, and it's tomorrow, but um, it's, it's one of those uh, things that I just believe and appreciate that our country as a whole seems to, uh, we seem to have a great attitude of respect and honor. Uh, as I pull into Home Depot, there's, there's uh, parking spots, you know, uh, identified for veterans, and, and just there seem, it seems to be that we do that better as a culture, but I still would never want to get past a, a Sunday close to Veterans Day and not, and not a personal honor you. And so my name's Adam. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm so excited that you're with us this morning. Um, Veterans Day is, is very, uh, hits home to us. Uh, both of our dads have served, and my son-in-law is uh, deployed right now, uh, helping down on the border. My son-in-law's a Marine, and, uh, and so, uh, but his deployment is why my oldest daughter is home, and the coolest baby on the planet is here for, this is his last Sunday for a while, so uh, the one I referenced often is here, and, and uh, they're expecting uh, grandbaby number two uh, in June, so we're excited to be at transitioning into that part of our life, and, and so just honor my son-in-law as he's serving right now, and uh, so I just think that is cool, and so in honor of Veterans Day, my story will come uh, from the military. So I want to reference uh, Private First Class in the Army, Desmond Doss. And so uh, there's been a movie about his story called Hacksaw Ridge. And so uh, right near the end of World War II, 
Uh, so you're uh, in the last year, you're in 1945, and so the attention's mostly over in the, in the uh, Pacific Rim, and so uh, over near Okinawa, and there's this, this thing is called Hacksaw Ridge because it's a, basically a cliff that is like 400 foot or something crazy, like straight up, and they had to use netting and stuff to climb up, and so it was this huge, like almost month-long battle, and it was basically, if not the, the, the last great big battle, it was one of the last, and it was significant. So where does private first class? Doss fit into this? Well, uh, he, was a, uh, he was a conscientious objector uh, based on his religious beliefs. Uh, some Christians uh, take it like they do not believe that they can take a life no matter what the situation. And, and, and so, um, and, and, and some people, I like, I will have no trouble taking out ISIS. Like, give me a gun. But anyways, uh, just to let you know my personal feelings. Um, so take all that kind of personally. But uh, so this guy didn't. Uh, he, he was uh, part of his uh, understanding of the Bible was that he, he believed that he could not take a life. Um, he could have exempted himself from the draft uh, just because of that, by the way. And, um, uh, but he still wanted to serve. He, he appreciated the, the reason for the war, and he wanted to do his part. So he signed up for the uh, Army Medical Corps. And so he's serving as a medic without a weapon. And so he ends up on the front lines of, of towards this battle, and he is uh, serving, he's doing his job. He ends up being the only medic in this area taking care of the wounded, and he is noted for having helped lower 75 wounded soldiers from the top of this ridge down to the ground to safety. And he's staying in this area, mind you, without a weapon of his own. He was just trusting God. And then a couple other parts. So he gets injured. He takes a grenade fragment, and it takes part of his leg. He doesn't put the burden, wait for another medic. The story is that he basically bandages himself up, and then he takes a, a sniper shot to the, to the arm, and he ends up with his, uh, the bone in his arm fragmented, and he patches himself up there. He refuses a spot on the gurneys, going back to the medics. He gives that spot up to somebody else. And then uh, the story is that, that he was assumed like, like people lost track of him, and it was actually went on, on the newspaper back in his hometown that he had died in the war. And next thing you know, he, he surfaces. I mean, just the confusion of war, he surfaces. He comes home a few months later in October to receive the Medal of Honor from President Truman. And so seemingly someone who would... How do you become a hero in a war when you don't have a gun? <laughs> like, uh, you know, that this is you, you are not really set up for success, in my opinion. And, um, and so... Uh, this man, and, and when he's questioned about it, which if you ever uh, see any interviews with, with any of our bravest, uh, they, are, they never take the praise. And uh, he said something like this. He said, he said, every person I served with deserved that medal. He said, I'm no hero. I just did what needed to be done. And so that is one story that obviously made it back even to the movies and whatever else. But that is just because that name surfaces it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an example of what all of our bravest have done, and so we honor you today. Uh, with, that with that story in mind, we are in a series called Hero, Stories of God Using the Unqualified. And, um, and so, so many times in our life, uh, the mission that we get assigned to, the task at hand from parenting to, uh, to marriage to, to uh, 
dealing with maybe elderly parents to the job that God's assigned you to, the place where you work might be uh, extremely challenging with the people that you work with or, or, um, or, or anything, or the, the thing that God has given you to do. We get, we get these taps on the shoulder and God said, this is what I've given for you to do. And so many times, if not all of the time, that when these things come my way, it's like I look at that child when they're first born, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, how do I, how am I just all of a sudden a dad? Like, I really don't want to screw this up, right? And then it's like you run, hopefully headlong into marriage, and, and you're excited about it, but then at some point you're like, oh, man, I, I really better figure this out. Like, I really want to get this right. And, and the assignment seems so great. And you look, at, you look up to heaven, and you're like, God, I don't feel qualified for this. And so we're moving through stories. And so some of the things that may affect our, our uh, feelings towards these are, are just being afraid. And so we talked about Gideon in regards to fear. He did not want to do what God had asked him to do. He was reasonably afraid of the task that was given to him. I think we should use wisdom and be like, that's pretty scary, God. And, uh, and so he was fearful. Uh, what about past failures or, 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 um, or just being um, just maybe damaged and, and like, God, I'm damaged goods. I, I, I can't do what you've asked me to do. Knowing what I've done, God, I don't see how I can serve you. God, I don't really have a place there uh, because I, I just don't fit in with the baggage that I'm dragging behind me. And so we talked about Samson and how continuously this guy, even in leadership, dealt with some serious character flaws. And God continuously just kept him going back to the task at hand. And as Samson would, would replace basically God back at his proper place in his life, then God was quick to use him again. And so we saw that your past does not have to define your future. You, you can't change it, but you can change your relationship to it. And oftentimes, God uses our past failures, our past pain, to minister to other people. And so often, our testimony, our joys, our, even our, our struggles, our victories, even if they include ongoing struggles, can often and almost always encourage other people. And yet we tend to hide those things the deepest when we come into a church thinking, ah, this, I just need to make sure nobody really knows that I was fill in the blank. Nobody needs to know I have a record. I've been married a couple times. I, I struggle with this addiction, yada, yada, yada. No, this is just the place for it. First of all, God still wants to set you free if it's something you're struggling with. Two, God wants to use your story to help somebody else find redemption or at least encouragement. And so uh, some other things. Today we're going to talk about what if you're, you're young, inexperienced for whatever reason for the task that, that's been given to you. There's nothing like having something come to you and you're like, I am seriously not qualified. I do not have any experience in this. Uh, and even whatever job you've maybe gone to school for, there's nothing that takes the place of real world involvement. You know, back to the military. You can go through basic, but until you are deployed, you are when the bullets are real, that's different. Like you somebody, there's always that initial thing of I'm not ready for this. There's no way you can really fully be ready for certain things, and yet God uses us. What about if you're just, you feel like, I've heard this from so many people, I am ordinary. I have nothing unique to give. 
those people, of course God can use them. They have these gifts. Oh my gosh, Lauren's voice, of course God can use her. And he does, thank you, Jesus. But I can't sing, I can't, you know. So many people want to say all the things that they can't do, that they're not anointed in. And like, if I just had a gift, then I could use it. We're going to see with the last uh, week of this series that God uses those people who think that they are just ordinary. What about people who come in from the outside? Well, I've heard this before even too about, about church. Well, Adam, you, Pastor Adam, you grew up around the faith. It's, it's natural for you to trust God. Of course you could be a pastor. You grew up sleeping under pews because your parents were in church every time it opens. Of course. But God couldn't, like, this is new to me. I don't know my Habakkuk from my Ezekiel. I don't know. Those are two books in the Bible. Uh, um, but seriously, some people in this room right now don't know that. And, and you're like, oh, God can't use me. I don't know the stories. God can't use me down to teach the kids because that's really still new to me. You bet he can use you down in the kids. And, 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 and God will just use you. You will learn. And so many times we say, I'm an outsider. I really don't quite fit in here, so I'm just going to... I'm just kind of glad to get the t-shirt, you know what I'm saying? And so we're going to go through that next Sunday. God is still looking for heroes. And the reason why we have that zero in the name of hero is because so many times, most of the time, if not all of the time, I feel like I am zero qualified for the task that's been given to me. I want to talk about a guy briefly to start off, and then we're going to move to his successor. But we're going to start off with a guy named King Saul uh, this morning. And so if you want to be ready, head to 1 Samuel. We're going to be in 15 and 16 this morning. So let's talk about King Saul. We, we'd been in the, um, we talked about two judges the last couple weeks, and I said that after Israel took over the promised land, after they were in the place where they conquered and they were basically self-ruling and, and, uh, and different judges stepped up as leaders to help them through times of trouble where they were either being attacked, so they needed a leader to basically be their general, and then also to help um, basically make decisions and, and, and lead the people. So these, these guys would, and ladies would step up for a time and then down, so uh, kind of democratic in a way. God would appoint them, but they would be recognized by the people as, as okay, we're going to trust this person for right now to lead us, and then they will, they'll just be leading us for a season. Well, these people went through this series of time, and then uh, they actually began to ask God for a king. They said, all the countries around us have a king. And uh, so, you know, my neighbors have, a, my neighbors have an SUV. Uh, that one, that one, that one, I should have an SUV. Uh, let's see. So they have a king, they have a king, they have a king. God, we don't have a king. We look pretty stupid. And, um, and God said, I want to lead you. I want to be your king and just speak through people. But they insisted, and God, like a very patient parent, I have a toddler in the house this week, and, uh, and so it's like, at some point you give in. Like, um, take the phone, take my wallet, take the car, whatever makes you happy. Uh, no, anyways. And so, so God gives them a king, and the first king is King Saul. And, and Saul is a good-looking guy. Uh, they have success in battle. They basically get control over their borders, and uh, they're, they're pretty well established. He's doing basically the right stuff. And uh, if you look deeper into Saul, you actually see that he actually cares quite a lot about what people think about him. And so he makes quite a few decisions poorly because he's more concerned about what the people think than what God thinks. 
which leads to this place in Scripture. 1 Samuel 15. I want to read you verses 10 and 11. He'd basically not obeyed God with how to uh, finish the conquering of a certain group of people. And so we're just going to cut right in. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 10 and 11. It says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, who was the prophet at the time, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Wow. King Saul had been given this assignment by God and and he failed because he stopped trusting God to make his decisions and made them on his own. And so God said, you have basically disqualified yourself from the leadership position that I've given you. And sadly, we can all do that. Uh, we've seen, you've heard stories, I'm sure, of pastors uh, having moral, fa- moral failures or different people in leadership, and, and they basically lose that position because they have disobeyed the Lord, and they have, they've fallen out of a place where God can, can use them in that position. And, and we can do that in every situation, and we will all let God down in the different assignments that he gives to us in some way or another. Um, But there was a pattern here consistently where Saul had stopped trusting God to make decisions. And so God said, I can't. Like, we're we're done here. And so it says that that, uh, Samuel agonized over this to literally, like, weep over it. I mean, he was disturbed because this meant trouble for the people, you know. I mean, this was a terrible thing. Here's the thing. Saul was successful by every other definition. He looked the part. He was making, uh, Israel was defeating their enemies. Um, He was uh, basically, uh, they were known in the region as as not to be messed with or uh, that you will, You'll be whipped up if you uh, whipped on if you do. And so they'd had success in battle. Uh, the country is, seems to be running essentially smoothly. And yet God says no. So here's Saul appearing to meet all of the qualifications. Even when he was first tapped to be king, it says that he was basically ahead, of, uh, like, like taller than everybody else, a good looking guy. And um, I mean, these are problems some of us have, you know. Um, I mean, you just get kind of like, I think you should be king. I'm like, no, I'm, you know, man, you know. And uh, so sad. I'm teaching on humility next week. And, and, um, and so he looked the part. He was acting the part. So here's God, like, I'm going to refresh this. So what is God looking for? Because I can tell you, if I was seriously tapped to be a king, I would be like, no. And most people, everybody should be like, no. I cannot do that in my current state. Something stuck, this stuck out to me, and that was, God immediately knew of somebody else to ask. There's something freeing in this, and that is, is that um, it's God has other people to do the things that he wants done. And so uh, there should be some freedom in that because it's not my job to save Pickerington. I, I, 
hopefully I'm obedient to what he asks me to do. But even in my failures, in my shortcomings, God will use somebody else and, and will try to use somebody else to meet that need. Like his plan, his story, we already know the ending. He's going to get there based on our obedience, our willingness, our participation, just gets to determine how much of the story we get to participate in. And so it's, it's kind of discouraging in one way, like, no, you're really not that important, but at the same time, you can be. Like, this is, there's a story playing out for all eternity, and God wants each of us to play a part. But when we miss it, God's going to say, I, you know what, I, I need that family ministered to one way or the other. And so, Adam, if you won't, I'm going I'm to ask somebody else to do it. And so I see that as like, um, even in leadership, like, I, we got stuff to get done. And if people don't want to participate, then it's, we're either going to change directions or somebody else is going to do it. I'll just, Dave will have another job. That's just all there is to it. And uh, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but serious. But God will keep moving forward. And, and yet he's looking, and it wasn't like he had to put the job post on LinkedIn and say, you know, here's, here's what I'm looking for, and then to scan all of the resumes coming in. No, what does he do? He tells Samuel, uh, let's go to, um, he tells Samuel, he says, go to, go to Jesse. I have selected one of his sons to be king. That's what it says in uh, verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 1. He's, he's like, I've got, go, go talk to Jesse. Go meet his sons. One of them is going to be king. God is not anxious in heaven. He's not angry up there, like he's not waiting, like it's, he's not anxious. I think that's something that is still creeping into my understanding of him because I go through life anxious. Like I am concerned when something doesn't go right, if this person isn't getting their job done or, or whatever else. And God's like, this stinks. I would have loved for this to, to work out better. Um, go talk to David. Like God just, he just moves. Is that cool? God always knows who's ready to serve. Let me read verses 6 through 13 from, uh, from uh, 1 Samuel 16. So he's meeting with Jesse. He's at Jesse's house. And uh, he says, bring your sons before me. So verse 6, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at, we'll go with Eliab, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, one of the coolest verses in the Bible, don't judge by his appearance or height. This is pretty timely because that's the case with Saul. For I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimei. But Samuel said, nope, nobody named Shimei can be king. Neither is this the one. It doesn't say that. Neither is this, but I think that's why. Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, you got any more? Like, 
There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. Sounds like my grandson. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there amongst his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. I, that scene must have been incredible. I mean, just the different perspectives from the brothers to, I mean, from walking in front of Samuel, I mean, they knew what was going on, you know, and, and I'm sure, like, maybe they thought it could be cool, but at the same time, like, their, Saul was still king, so you're kind of, like, putting a big uh, kill me now sign on, on your head, like, like, not a kick me badge on the back. Like, uh, kill me now. I'm, I'm basically the next king. Like, this is serious. Samuel even, Samuel even tells the Lord, like, Saul will kill me. I'm, I can't just go anoint somebody else to be king. But I'm sure there was some excitement of like, oh, I hope it's me. You know, like, there had to have been some. And then you're walking by, and it's like, no, the Lord's not chosen you. Oh. And, and just, what are all the emotions happening? And Jesse, the dad, is watching, and it's like, and then... David comes through and gets anointed. How does David go from zero to hero? He was young and inexperienced. Now, I would assume many of us, if not all of us, are, are, uh, know the story of David and Goliath where he uh, steps up and, and defeats this large enemy, and, and there's that piece of the story that you can preach a whole series just on that. It really had little to do with the fact that he beat Goliath. We are, God already had a king that could defeat enemies. God was looking for character. Right? It came down to, who can I trust to do this? I'm not looking for height. I'm not looking for looks. I'm not looking for strength in battle. I'm not looking for the victory count. I'm looking for character. So how does David go from zero to hero? I'm going to read through. If you want to turn with me there, it might. Um, we all know it probably by the King James because it's, it's one of these scriptures that we've heard um, a thousand times, probably most of those at funerals, but so hopefully it doesn't make anybody sad this morning. But Psalm 23 says this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to read it closely because my mind goes to how I learned it as a kid. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of of the Lord forever. One of the most beloved passages in the whole Bible. 
And if that doesn't, like that is the peace bringing scripture. Like it is just a beautiful passage to read. Did you pay attention that the first half of that is written from his experience as a shepherd? The Lord is my... How would he know how to look to the Lord God as his shepherd if it wasn't for his time as a young man being a shepherd? So we see David for all of the inadequacies that he would have had at that moment. He was a kid. You could make the case that he was a teenager somewhere in his teens when he, uh, when he would have fought Goliath, but this is pre-Goliath. Who knows? We could be talking 10, 9, I don't know. And God said, this is who my king is going to be. So what qualified David? Listen to these verses again. So in verse 1, It says, you're my shepherd, I have all that I need. Well, as a youth, as a kid, when when David was anointed king, he had to be called in from the fields. What was his job? To make sure that the sheep had everything that they needed. And they were of value, they were a resource, basically that was part of their livelihood as a family could have been all of their livelihood as a family. We don't know that. And so he's got to protect them to protect his family's livelihood. So he is seeing this role, even as a young person, as I'm taking care of these sheep. And he sees God as, he says, I have all that I need. And if you're his today, I'll just encourage you right there as along the way. You have everything you need. Yes, there's desires that we have, still have. There might be miracles you're praying for. There might be something that you want to see uh, in your lifetime. There might be a, a, a financial need. There might be a physical need. But can I tell you that this verse says you have everything you need? And so, so David comes from that. And then it says in verse 2, it says, you let me rest. You bring peace to my life. How many leaders are restful people? I struggle with this as a leader. I, I feel like guilty when I slow down. I feel like, oh my gosh, there's, there's more to do. And yet God looked at David and said, I can trust you to lead my people because you know that I'm really the one making it happen. You can rest. So God actually sees that ability in us as as a way of us trusting Him. If you don't feel like you can ever rest and take a Sabbath to actually slow down, you are really not trusting God for the entirety of your life. And David had it. He said, you you let me rest. Verse 3, it says, you renew my strength... You guide me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Here's the other thing about David. What qualified him? He wasn't concerned for his own glory. He he knew that his strength would be met. And he knew that the results were for somebody else. 
I'm just doing my part. That is so freeing in leadership when you realize that it's, it's he's the source and you're not, and you're doing it for his glory. So that means like the success of this church is going to bring glory to God and, and, and the obedience of everybody that serves here. That's going to, that success is not really my, I'm concerned about it, but I, I can trust God for the resources. He's my strength, and it's all for his glory no matter what happens. And I'd love for him to get as much as possible from this place, but it's, I can't make that happen. And so God can trust the people that know that it's not for, it's not for their own glory. What about verse 4? It says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, do you think a leader, do you think the king of Israel is going to go through dark places? And so David is remembering back, he's like, he would have been out on his own, taking care of animals, going, who knows, through hard places, and he's like, God, I trust you through these difficult times. You might be going through a dark valley to some degree in your life right now. Some in this room, it might be the darkest time in your life. I don't know. But you can look back throughout your life and you can see places that were really, really difficult, dark times in your life. And that experience can take you to today and say, God, I know that you're with me. So, so David is able to look back. And the very simple things that allowed God to use him beginning at a young age were still the things that, that were the most necessary as he was king. And so, what qualifies somebody? What moves somebody from inexperienced and young to being somebody that God can use? How do we go from zero to hero when we are young or inexperienced? Three things this morning. Number one is a simple faith. Throughout the Bible, we're, we, and we even hear this in the New Testament where God says the faith of a child, basically like these kids get it. If you want somebody to pray with you and you're sick this morning, I would argue that there are some little ones downstairs that can pray with more confidence than many of us upstairs. They just take it for granted that God can and will heal you. There's a simple faith. Why is there a simple faith? Because they know that they don't worry about... Their, their, they go through life as children where I'm making sure that the food's on the table. I'm making sure that the house is warm. They're, they just have a simple understanding of being taken care of. And I believe David did. I, these sheep are not going to lack for anything. I'm going to make sure. And if I can do that, then I know that God can take care of me. And so a simple faith, what does that look like? You look back at the track record. And it's always hard to do when you're facing the current mountain, but hopefully with the help of other people in your life or God reminds you or you keep track of some notes, thankfully Danielle is much better at that than I am, and she'll be like, oh my gosh, look at, these, look at the series of God showing up for us. The last time we were freaking out, like we don't worry about that thing anymore. God did that, Right? And so, um, and, and David says something like that when he's fighting, uh, before he fights Goliath, he's like, I took care of the lion, I took care of the bear. These were big problems that he had before. Big problems. 
God delivered me from the lion. He delivered me from the bear. He's going to deliver me from this big, ugly guy that wants to kill me and make me a shish kebab on his spear. I said shish kebab in church. First time ever in a message. Might be the last. <laughs> what an honor. You guys are treated this morning. These things just come to me, and not everything is good, so just bear with me. I'm the best preacher you get. Um, and I appreciate your patience. But what does he do? He goes back to the track record. Even at 10, 11, 12 years old, however he was when he faced Goliath. 13, 14, 15, I don't care. What have you been, I mean, take those years, God did this, he's going to do this. Or I can at least trust him that if it doesn't quite go the way I think it's going to go, then, or I want it to go, then I'm going to be okay. And so many times I have to get to that place of, because I usually have a really good idea, and I bet you guys too, of exactly how I would like it to go. And it's usually as minimal amount of pain for me as possible, and, you know, and as quickly as possible. And, and God said, you know what, we're going to, I'm going to take care of you. My shepherd, God will show up. So number one is a simple faith. Number two, no personal agenda. This must, I mean, I was 12 once, and I've, you know, got young kids in my house still. Ben's now 14, but um, we're actually pretty selfish at that age. And so uh, I'm, I'm sure just the, the, um, the society you had more, you know, maybe put on you. I mean, to be out at, at 10, 11, 12, maybe out in the fields running sheep, like, like, no, like, we don't do that with our 10-year-olds these days. We, we try to make the world as soft as possible for them and set them up for failure. It's awesome. Um, but <laughs> talk to me, you know. Um, but no, seriously, we don't quite send our 10-year-olds out to shepherd sheep, like, you know, and leave them out overnight with a, you know, it's not stuff that we do and maybe we shouldn't. Um, but we have this, still this place of David was... He knew what it meant that the sheep didn't tell him where to go. This is where we're going. We're moving to this field. I'm going here. And, and then even then, he understood that his dad or older brothers had trained him on what to do. And this is what you do. And this is where you go. And, and, and it's time to go. And so David did what he was told. That's a tough one for us. Because we often have a better idea of what we would like to do and even if we kind of like what we're doing, we often think that we have a better way of doing it or which order we would want to do it or whatever. But then you have this glory side. If you heard it in that, it said, he guides me of paths of righteousness for his honor. And so anything that, that comes out of my life that's good it's, it really just glorifies God the same way that if my kids have success, it, it, it glorifies me as their parent. And, and so we're good at making sure that everybody knows that on Facebook and things like that. But seriously, when, it, when, when, when my kids do something, it's like I'm so proud of, of my son-in-law who's serving and, and, and my kids you know, going through school and, and the things that they do and their accomplishments. And, and it's like I, I, I receive from that. You know, their victories are my victories as a parent, right? And so, so David sees already that, that his obedience 
glorifies God. And he said, God, you keeping me on path, on, on the path that you have for me, is not only good for me, but it honors you. And so a question for us today is, that's a great place to, to start, is to, is, to look at, um, is to look at these steps of a simple faith, no personal agenda. If my goal for my life is that God would receive as much glory as possible, what does that change? Everything. That means that when I'm at work, then if some part of my mind is, is thinking of how can God get glory from me hanging signs today or wherever you work, teacher, fill in the blank, how can God get glory from my life today? David saw that. He said, you're guiding me, and it's just going to bring honor to you. Number one, simple faith. Number two, personal agenda. No personal agenda. Number three, do the little things well. Wow. No, just doing the little things. This is one of those key pieces of maturing that I think we naturally resist because we want big things to do. And I've seen that in leadership. I've seen it as, because uh, I was one. I was the guy saying, give me something awesome to do. Motivation was mostly pure. Like, I want to do something really big. But then you also, if we're being honest, you want to have your name attached to the something really big. Like, I did that. And I've been on the other side where I've been the leader and I've had people come through and they, they, want, they want something to do because they want the glory. Or they see just as, as one thing being really valuable and, and not the, maybe just the premise of serving. Do the little things well. I think David took really good care of the sheep. You see throughout the story that he obeyed his dad. You see that he went to a whole lot of trouble to obey and honor his king, all the while knowing that he was the next king. And I've seen series and books on that relationship between him and Saul. And, and so basically, he had to serve an arguably bipolar, completely insecure maniac that often would try to kill him. <laughs> and yet David consistently says, I'm not the king yet. I'm going to honor the king as long as he's the king. How do we go from zero to hero when we are young or inexperienced? The faith of a child. Simple faith. Number two, no personal agenda. Yes, I've got things I want to accomplish in my life. I've got goals. I've got dreams. But I need to be careful that I am looking first for what God wants for my life. 
and it's so freeing when you're living for him instead of yourself. Simple faith, no personal agenda. Number three, do the little things well. Can I encourage you in this today? I don't know where you're at today, but I can guarantee you that something looks a little more appealing on the other side of some of the little things that you feel stuck and unhappy about doing today. The little things of, of, of teaching your kids to love Jesus, taking them to church every week, uh, the little things of, of, of doing things in an honorable way financially, the little things of, of making sure that you're, you're treating your spouse well, the little things of, of showing up to work on time, the little things of, of making sure that you do a good job, the little things, the little things, the little things. I believe that the big things really only happen when a lot of little things go the right way. And it's those little decisions, it's those little things that take your path and point them straight towards what God has for you. Can we pray this morning? How do we go from zero to hero? when we feel our inexperience. Is that you this morning? You're standing at the foot of a, of a, of a mountain, an assignment, a, a task, a challenge. There's something that, that requires a hero in front of you and you just are sure that you're not qualified because of inexperience. Would you trust God in that area this morning? Is that you? Would you raise your hand this morning and just say, God, I want to commit to these simple things. A simple faith. God, I want to look for your agenda and what I'm going through. And God, I'm going to commit to doing the little things well. Is that you this morning? I see those hands. God bless you. I see those hands. Maybe today you're sitting there and you've never crossed the line of faith or you've been away from God for a long time. And you realize just this morning the Holy Spirit is, has, has shown you that you're not really trusting Him, that you're not really living for Him, and that you just might be looking past some of the tasks at hand, just kind of wanting to move to something else. If you're ready this morning to say, Jesus, I trust you with my life. I ask you to forgive my past and I ask you to lead me into the future you have designed for me. Is that you this morning? Would you raise your hand? I wanna pray with you. I see those hands. Father God, we thank you. A simple prayer of repentance goes like this. God, I've done it my way. I've done it for my purposes. God, it, it doesn't work. I thank you for forgiving me of my past, of my sins. God, I trust you with my heart. God, I trust your path. God, I thank you that you would guide me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. So I lay my agenda down and I pick up yours today. God, I thank you that you would lead me. I thank you that you would love me. I thank you that you would provide all that I need. Thank you, Jesus. God, we receive your love, your guidance this morning.
God, we thank you that you warn us on the paths of righteousness for our sakes as well. God, I thank you that it's the best way for our lives is your way. God, help us to, to look at each day and say, how can I bring glory to God today? It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Can we stand? We're going to close in worship this morning. There will be some really nice people up here that want to pray with you. I hear what's going on. It might be an aunt that's in the hospital. It might be a struggle at work. It might be something you just want to get uh, some prayer about. Please come forward for prayer. Um, if you have made a decision for the Lord, we want to know about that. If you're ready to be baptized, uh, we want to know about that. As, as Andrew said, uh, make us aware of that through next steps, and we will follow up with you. God bless you. Let's worship this morning.
set apart. You are holy. But you are completely qualified and capable of doing what it is that you say you will do and who it is that you say that you are. So God, as we look at our current status, as we look at our current situation where we may seem unqualified, God, I'm reminded of your word that says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. God, I thank you that this church, this collective body of individuals looks to a God who is completely capable. Thank you that this church looks to a God who is holy and set apart. And I'm thankful that you're a God that chooses to work through your people. God, I pray that we would remember that as we walk out of this place this morning, that your power is made perfect in our weakness, that the qualified one works through the unqualified, and that we can trust you and we can have hope in that this morning. We thank you, God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Men churches, Pastor Adam said, if this is your first time here, head back to the new here uh, area of the info area. And um, if you wanna get involved, Next Step Center, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, do that as well or wanna be baptized, head back to the Next Step Center. We love you, happy Veterans Day. Have a great week, church.